You know, Randy had asked me a couple weeks ago if I would mind preaching this morning. And, uh, of course, Megan was doing the 25th, and I'm thinking, you know, what could possibly interfere with sermon preparation on the 13th? Um, things have changed a little bit. Last Thursday, uh, the day after Kaylin was born, Randy came into the hospital and asked me if I was still, you know, was still okay with preaching. I told him, you know, I'm sure I can think of something. Uh, you know, my backup plan this morning, if I didn't think of anything, was just to roll the projector out here and show you pictures of Kaylin for 30 minutes. <laughs> Personally, I think it would be the best sermon you've ever heard, um, but in all seriousness, if I fall asleep in the middle of this, you can like leave quietly, turn off the lights, wrap me in a Snuggie, I'll be fine, you know, just give me a couple hours, um, but, but it's been, it has been uh, fantastic. This morning, we're going to continue in John chapter 1, and ever since I read these verses, I've been so excited uh, just to share with you. They say that the best way to teach is by just teaching from your experience. And now that I have 11 days of being a father experience, you know, I am pretty much a bona fide expert in parenting. Um, so just, you can learn from my wisdom this morning. Um, and, and really, for you parents out there, doesn't your life just change the moment that you hold your child for the first time? It is the most incredible feeling in the world, um, bar none. Uh, I didn't cry, although when Megan's parents came into the delivery room right afterwards, they were bawling, and Megan was crying just a little bit, and I'm just kind of in shock, going, oh, you know, what is this? You know, what's happening? Um, But really, life changes. And this morning, we're going to talk about what it means to be a child of God. What does it mean to be held in the arms of our Heavenly Father? This is John chapter 1, verses 9 to 13. Would you guys please stand as, we, as I read this? I'm reading out of the NIV, so it's going to be, read a little different than your translation, probably. John 1, verses 9 to 13. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, But his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. You can have a seat. See, John sets the stage for us this morning by explaining that that the light... The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. The, the true light, of course, is Jesus. Um, in the beginning of John chapter 1, we read that Jesus was there from the beginning. Actually, Randy preached that it actually reads, Before the beginning began, Jesus was. So long before Jesus came as a baby to the earth, he had formed and created the world. All of creation was made through him. Without him, nothing that has been created was made. And that's the true light. Now, in the 18th century, right around the time that this country was founded, there was a movement of philosophy sweeping through the world called the Enlightenment. Um, And those of you who are familiar with history, um, the Enlightenment was uh, basically this this idea that everything could be found out or or figured out through reason, logic, and science. And and, and these people had had 
wanted to throw off kind of the shackles of organized religion, the shackles of, of any other philosophy other than science and reason. Um, and they came up with a lot of fantastic inventions, a lot of great ideas. Uh, democracy was born um, in this Enlightenment period. But the Enlightenment only lasted about 100 years until that philosophy went out and a new philosophy came in because they were looking for the true light. And John 1 tells us that the true light had already come into the world and the world did not receive him. The world did not understand him. See, they, they, what they quickly found out um, was that reason and science can't replace Jesus. John 1, chapter 3 says that in him life and light. In him was life, and that life was the light of all men. And that gift of life is something that we would call common grace. And what that means is that, that this was a gift of God to everyone. All people, believers, unbelievers, anything that has been created has been given the gift of life by God. Jesus, the creator of all people and all things, came to that which he created, but his creation didn't recognize him. We find out later in John that not only did they not recognize him, but they rejected him. Last week we talked about John the Baptist and how God had sent him to proclaim the good news that Jesus was coming. He called the people to repent. But the people rejected John the Baptist as well. In fact, John the Baptist was beheaded for preaching of people to repent of their sins. Now Jesus and John both came to God's chosen people, the Jews, to whom had been promised for thousands of years that a Messiah would come to free them from their bondage. Yet they did not believe him. They did not recognize him. See, they thought that the bondage the Messiah was going to free them from was this bondage of oppression from foreign rulers. The Jews had been oppressed for thousands of years. We look at Egypt. We look at the Assyrians. We look at the Romans. We look at the Nazis. That, that these people had been oppressed politically for thousands of years. But, but that's not the freedom that... Jesus came to deliver. He came to deliver them, to give them freedom from their sins. And yet, and yet a lot of times we still confuse this because some people preach that, that Jesus came to give them freedom from debt. You know, that, that Jesus came to, to give freedom from sickness. Or that Jesus came to bring freedom from injustice. And while those are all part of what he came to bring freedom of, the real freedom that Jesus offers is our freedom from sin. See, everyone, Jew or Greek, American or Afghani, black or white, man or woman, see, we're all, every single person on this planet is a part of God's creation. Because everything that has been created was created by a creator. And that creator is Jesus. The world was made through him. See, every person or dog or tree or sugar glider um, sugar gliders are these little pocket marsupials that uh, Griffin and Taylor and the Ridgeways have. They're really strange. Um, if you want them, they can actually give them to you, I think. But every single thing that was created on this earth was created through Christ. And if you ever doubt this, I invite you to go up to the fifth floor of Women and Children's Hospital and go and walk over to the nursery and just take a look at all the little newborn babies that still have like all the junk on them from the womb. You know, you see these little kids up there, and they're squirming around, and they're screaming. And it, it, it blows my mind that all of the intricate systems that are part of the human body, 
that everything that exists inside a 200-pound man is already inside of a five-pound infant. It's unbelievable. You know, when you hold this child in your arms, there's no denying that God has created life. As a quick aside, I need to tell this story about what happened to me last week, and um, it's going to be easier because Oscar's not here. So we were, up in the, we were up in the hospital, and some of you may have heard this, that's why you're laughing already. So we were up in the hospital, and Kaylin was born Wednesday night. Uh, we had slept the night. They took her away to the nursery, brought her back when it was time to feed. Best decision we ever made, so we can get some sleep that night. Well, in the morning, the doctors and people start coming in, and Oscar walks in. And he came in, he was just before it was time for him to start work, and so he comes and knocks on the door, and I'm kind of still sleeping, I throw my glasses real quick, Kaylin was back in the nursery, and so I take him down the hall to the nursery window, and I point out Kaylin in the window, and we're looking at her, and she's, you know, the nurses were doing something to her, she was all naked, they're taking her temperature or whatever, um, and they're, they're, they're doing all this stuff, and she's just laying there, and we're talking for a few minutes, we're looking at her and waving to her and talking to her through the window, after a couple of minutes, Oscar went back uh, to go to work, and I walked back into the room. Literally two seconds later, the nurse walks into our room and says, if you guys are ready, Kaylin's ready to come back to the room for you, to spend the day with you. And I'm thinking, that's really strange. I just saw my daughter. She was naked and being messed around with by the nurses. There's no way that, that this is right. And so, of course, we get up, we walk down to the hall, we're getting ready to go to the nursery. There in the same table she was last night. She's still there. She's still naked. She's still being poked at thinking, that's really strange. Of course, the door opens up as we walk in there, and out comes Kaylin, swaddled up. What I had been looking at and waving to a different child than my own <laughs> for like five minutes. The, this, this girl, she was a girl. This girl that I was bragging to Oscar about wasn't even my own daughter. You know, not even 24 hours after she's born, I've already confused her with another baby. Um, and someday she's going to be listening to this on her iPod 20G or something like that, and she's going to be, you know, roll her eyes and think her dad's so lame. Um, and that's true. So I apologize. Anyway, God created everything. So everything is a part of God's creation, but not everything is a part of God's family. And why is that? The reason behind that is because we're all marked with sin. Because humanity has sinned, because our lives are stained and marked irrevocably with sin, with the putrid stench of our sin, that when he came, his creation did not recognize him, just like I did not recognize that that baby was not my daughter. Even though Oscar told me later that that girl had blonde hair and Kaylin has almost black hair, I was just, again, not, not there. Um, since God is a holy and perfect God, he cannot tolerate sin. Not even just a little bit of sin. Reformed theology says that, that humanity is totally depraved. And what that means is that we're all completely sinful. Even if it just looks like on the outside we have just a little bit of sin, that we're all, we're all completely marked with sin. That we're all sinners. To sin means to miss the mark. We've all fallen short of God's benchmark. And it's impossible, because of that sin, it is impossible for us to come to God. In John eight thirty four to 35 Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family. See, everyone belongs to God's creation because we're all created by God. But not everyone belongs to God's family because we're all marked with sin. 
And as slaves to sin, we can't belong to his family. We belong to another family. That is why this says that he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. And verse 12 says that, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So if we've all sinned, who then can become, who can, who can be called God's children? Um, and this is a pretty easy answer. It's not a trick. It's all who receive him and believe in his name. And that sounds easy, that we just have to believe him and receive him. It's that the problem, again, is our sin. And because of our sin, we hate the light. We can't stand it. We don't want God. Left to ourselves, we'd rather have our sin. Faced with the choice between God and our sin, we choose our sin because we're slaves to it. See, no one would ever choose God left to themselves because they're so drawn to their darkness. Um, So how can we receive God if we won't choose him? And the answer is that because God chooses us. Verse 13 says that God's children are children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. See, God's children are born again of God, but this is all God's work. And it's, it's not of natural descent. No one is a, is a Christian, no one is born into God's family um, just because they were born into a Christian family. You know, everybody in, my, in your family could be pastors and preachers for five generations, and just because you were born into that family doesn't make you a Christian. You've probably heard someone respond to the question, are you a Christian, by saying, well, I'm an American, aren't I? But obviously being born in America, or being born in the Bible Belt even, doesn't make you a Christian. The implication here, I think, is that for parents, for believing parents, that we need to pray for our children. That we need to pray for the salvation of our children. That, that already Kaylin is only 11 days old. And every night, Megan and I have been begging and pleading God that he would reveal himself to her, that she would choose to follow him, and that she would live a life of service and honor to God. See, she can't make that choice. God has to make it. And yet we've been begging and pleading God, God, please reveal yourself to Caitlin. Just because I'm her daddy doesn't mean that she's a child of God. And it's not of human decision. That's the next part. Is that we don't wake up one day and just think, well, I think I'm going to believe in Jesus today. Even choosing to start going to church every day or every week or every day and twice on Sundays, that doesn't make us a Christian, right? Any more than walking to a car makes you a garage. Walking into a garage makes you a car. There we go. Just because we're in church doesn't make us children of God. It just means we could follow directions, or it just means that we like the food, or maybe we like the people. Um, Just because we're here doesn't make us part of God's family. We can't choose that. It's not our decision to make. It's not of a husband's will either. An unbeliever cannot be willed into the family of God. You know, they can't marry a believer and become a part of God's family. There's three ways to become a part of a family. You can be born into a family, you can be adopted into a family, or you can marry into a family. Um, and I love that the Bible uses all three of those things to, for God to refer to his children. That he says that we were reborn as children of God, that we're adopted as his, as his sons, and he calls the church the bride of Christ. So his children are his family. But we can't make the decision to become that. God has to make it for us, and God has to act. 
My parents, both, both of my parents grew up in churches. They went to churches their entire lives. Um, but while they, while they were engaged, uh, my mother accepted Jesus at a Bible study that she was going to. And she immediately called my dad and told him that she could not marry him anymore because now she was a Christian. And my dad was completely thrown off guard because he had thought, you know, we both grew up in churches our entire lives. Doesn't that make me a Christian? And so he, my dad was working on the roads. He spent a lot of night in hotels by himself. Um, so he started watching the 700 Club at night with Pat Robertson. You know, I think it's pretty goofy. Um, but for whatever reason, my father was watching one night, and Pat Robertson offered and gave an invitation to accept Jesus, and my father accepted. See, even though my parents chose to accept Jesus, he had to choose them first. See, they thought they were fine. They grew up in Christian families. They went to Catholic school. They were getting married in a church. But they never received him. Even my mom's news couldn't convince my dad to become a Christian. He had to investigate for himself, and God had to act in his heart. James 1.18 says that he chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all that he created. When someone comes to faith in Jesus, they are literally reborn into God's family. And God chooses to give us that faith. And it's just like a real birth. You know, did, did you or I decide to be born? No. You know, our, our parents made that decision. Uh, Megan said that it was my decision that Kaylin became a girl because of the double X chromosome thing, but I don't remember deciding that. Um, <laughs> see, our parents produced life, and we didn't have any say into what family we were born to uh, at all. It's the same way that a baby cannot decide that we're also left at the mercy of God until he acts. Um, and I think a lot of people get real frustrated with this idea, um, with this idea of God choosing us. You know, but because of our sin, we've already rejected him. We had that choice and we chose something else. And yet it's only because of God's rich mercy that anyone would be reborn and experience true life in God's family. Ephesians 1.5 says that he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. See, he picked us according to his pleasure that we might bring him pleasure. And despite our sin and despite our rejection, despite the fact that everything, everything that sinful humanity does is deserving of death, God still chooses people to be reborn into his family. So God chooses his children. He knows that their sin made it impossible to receive him on their own. So he chooses them to be a part of his family and to be adopted into his family. You see, you can't just go around calling yourself by a different last name and all of a sudden belong to a new family. You know, I could start calling myself Dan Batson. And, and I could put on my business cards. I could write it on my door. Um, but until Jim and Bonnie decide to adopt me into their family, it's just going to be really awkward when I show up at their house every night for dinner. You know, I, I can't choose that. They have to choose me to be a part of their family. So Ephesians 2.8 says, it's for, It is for by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. And that's what God does for us. God is saying that he alone is responsible for our salvation. That his children get all of the benefits of being in his family without having to do any of the work. That's a pretty sweet deal. So how can we tell if God has chosen us? How can we be sure that we're a part of God's family? We're going to look at a couple things. 
The first is that if we are God's children, we will love Jesus. John eight forty two, Jesus told them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. So if we're God's children, we love Jesus. And we're not just going to like him, not just think that he's a great teacher, you know, not just think that he has a really cool beard, but we'll actually love him and truly love him and love, love him for recognizing that we were helpless and that he intervened. Love him because that he chose us imperfections and sin and everything. And love him because he is the way and the truth and the life. And not only love him, but love everything about him, love his creation, love his, love his word, love his family. John thirteen thirty five says, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So a sign of being a part of God's family is loving God, loving his creation, loving his word, loving his family. Next, a child of God will verbally acknowledge God as their ruler and savior out loud, with their mouth, in front of others. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. When someone asks a child of God about their faith, they'll say that their faith is in Jesus Christ alone. You know, if someone asks them about their faith and they say, well, I go to Central Presbyterian, well, I'm a part of this small group. Well, I go to um, Sunday school a couple of times a week. Sundays throughout the week, I guess. Um, but, but who have we told about our faith? Have we verbally acknowledged that Jesus is our Lord? Have you said out loud to other people that you believe in Jesus? That's a mark of God's children. Jesus promises in Matthew 10... 32, that whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. That's an awesome promise. That if we will verbally acknowledge God as our Lord and Savior before other people, God, Jesus will acknowledge us before God in heaven. That's awesome. Finally, another mark of God's children is that his children will face oppression and opposition in the world. Another letter of John, 1 John 3.1 3, says that, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And this is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. See, the world does not understand children of God. They can't because they don't understand God. Christ came into the world. They didn't recognize him. They didn't understand him. They couldn't comprehend God in the same way, the life of a child of God is incomprehensible to other people. A child of God you know, spends their vacations going to third world countries on mission trips instead of going on a cruise. A child of God doesn't get upset when everything's not going their way and they show patience and mercy to others in the same way that God has shown patience and mercy to them. It doesn't make sense to non-believers when, when children of God read this book. Because to them, it's just an old book of children's stories and fairy tales. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense when believers give money to the church or give to charity because they should be worried about themselves. The whole life of a child of God is is incomprehensible. They don't understand a life lived by faith, a life that's filled with spiritual fruit. 
Romans 1.17 says that for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So the world doesn't understand a life lived by faith. And because it doesn't understand that, it will oppose that. The world sees the life of a child of God, and that life is convicting to them. They look at a child of God, and they see all the imperfections in themselves, and they persecute that person. And that's why Christians around the world face so much persecution. Because the world does not understand. Because the world has rejected God. Therefore, the world has rejected his children. So if it's not my decision that I'm in God's family, then how can I receive him and believe in him? If it's God's initiative, what can we do? I think the first thing to do is just to ask to plead, to beg that God would reveal himself. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Matthew 7.7, Jesus says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Those who seek God will find God. That's what he promises. That if we seek him, that he will come and open our eyes that we might receive him. I think it's a great thing to do is just to open the Bible, open the Gospel of John and just read through it slowly and ask yourself the whole time, who is Jesus? Who is this man? Pray that God would reveal Jesus to himself, to you as God. Um, And finally, just pray that God would open your eyes to convince you to give you faith in Jesus as the ruler and savior of your soul. Because God rewards those who earnestly seek him. He promises that when we seek him, he will find us. So my final offer this morning for you guys is just that if you feel that God has found you this morning, if you feel like you've been searching and seeking, um, that, that God is offering you a new life and a life as a part of his family, in redemption through the blood of Jesus, if you feel like you're ready to receive him, you know, come and talk to me. Come and talk to the person you came with. You know, our prayer here at Central is that all would know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That everyone would know the peace and security of being held in the arms of their Heavenly Father as a child of God. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful that in our sin, you entered in and intervened. Father, that 